HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is another episode of Greenhorns Radio. Radio for Young Farmers by Young Farmers. Today, today we're talking to Amy. Amy McMillan, dairy, dairy girl from Colorado, and she's calling from Colorado, and I'm in New York City. And it's always so exciting to be connected by technology for another session of Greenhorn Radio. Hi, Amy. Hi, Severin. Hi. Are you doing good out there? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I like, I like January. I always fall in love in January. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Now, um, we're talking about cows, and we're talking about raw milk dairy, and we're talking about running an operation as a woman. Tell us some thoughts there. Some thoughts. Well, um, there's not a lot of other women doing what I'm doing in my Location. Actually, there's no one else doing raw dairy at all within about 100 miles of me. So it's a little bit odd, but, but we're really well-received here. And it's not just me. I have a lot of support, um, and I do have a business partner, but I'm the sole manager of my dairy. And um, it's a small, small operation. I'm only milking seven cows right now, but I have about 10 milkers total and a bunch of young stock. So it's been it's been my dream for a long time to do this, so I, I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to get started. So you have had this dream, and now you have these cows. Explain the business. Explain the business. Uh, well, everybody knows that if you have cows, you milk them, but not everybody knows all the other parts and all that are moving around and all the cogs and wheels and regulatory frameworks and enterprise considerations. Can you do a little, like, overview of activities? Sure. Well, first, to understand the situation here in Colorado, we are 
uh, allowed, the health department has allowed us to have cow share dairies. And we are registered with the state, but we're not inspected. And we have contracts with all of our shareholders, so they are legally entitled to the milk from their share, their cow, in my herd. It's a, been a great way for a lot of small dairies to get started in the state. And um, not all states are like that, by the way. It's a state-by-state state, um, sort of regulation. And some states have outlawed cow share dairies, unfortunately. While other states allow raw milk sales, but they, dairies have to be inspected. So there's a lot more oversight and a lot more investment to getting started in order to comply with all those regulations. So here, you know, we're able to do it very simply. Um, and at very low cost to get started. And um, uh, we do have an association of raw milk dairies that help, has helped put together some standards so that we're all on the same page with um, complying with certain, certain uh, standards as far as cleanliness and cow health and testing. We all get tested every month, our milk, um, at a lab that we send our, our samples into. So that way, um, you know, by self-regulating, we're protecting ourselves against um, any, you know, one getting into the business who doesn't, you know, know what they're doing. And maybe if if there was an outbreak of some sort, that would put all of our businesses at risk. So we have some, some standards that way. Um, let's see. We <laughs> have other cogs and wheels. Can you ask me one more specifically? No, so you're... Here. So you're organizing yourselves as a collect as a collective body of raw milk producers, and uh -huh. keeping things on the straight and narrow, and being proactive about health and sanitation, and uh, making sure that you're really on point. But then, what beyond the milking, like from a business perspective and from a like time management perspective, what else occupies the majority of your time other than just cow care and how do you like? How do your customers come? What do they? What do you use to to do your milk in? Like, do you have a little bottling plant, or what do you have? Sure. Okay. So I have a little um, a parlor that's a two has two stanchions in it, and the two cows come in at a time, and I milk them into bucket milkers. So it's a it's run off a little compressor unit, and then the milk is then poured off into big milk cans. That which I have a little cart and I wheel it back to my milk room, which has uh, all the stainless steel sinks and racks and dishwasher and all that stuff. So I just do bottling by hand. Um, that way all the milk is bottled when it's still warm and then put into ice baths to chill quickly. Um, our shareholders are all in our vicinity somewhat. We, uh, most people pick up at the farm and then we have a delivery route where our shareholders drop off their coolers, um, and every week we go and, and put their milk in there, and um, and then a fridge down at a private residence in another town down south of us where we drop off the milk once a week, too. So um, my, time, my time is all spent managing the dairy, the cows, the milking, the bottling, and then uh, we're a grass-based dairy, so all summer long I have the girls out on pasture, and I do um, intensive grazing, so they're moving uh, constantly. Um, the, girl, the, the milking herd as well as the heifers and young stock. So my business partner, he's in charge of the uh, distribution and the customer contact side of things. So I'm lucky to, to have that.
support, and he has taken that opportunity to also start up a side business that sells other Colorado products and other farms off, uh, products off the farm to all of our shareholders. So we have a little storefront it's open one day a week at the farm, and then he has sort of a mo- mobile farmer's market that he takes on the road for the delivery route, and so he's selling, you know, meats and produce and, you know, preserves and... Um, bread, and other things that he can get a hold of um, to market to all of our shareholders that pick up their milk every week. So it's really like, you know, raw milk is the gateway drug, and then everybody is already kind of associating together and are happy to to expand their commitment to local foods. It is great because so many of these people really do depend on their milk every single week. And so it is a great opportunity, marketing opportunity for them to, and, and an opportunity for them to get, to get access to all this wonderful food that isn't available to normal supermarkets. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, we all very, we become very aware of in the alternative and sustainable and the local and the young and the beginning and the hyper awesome is it's, it's not necessarily always super convenient or at the surface apparent how you, how you can get access and, you know, you could drive down the road and not ever know what was going on behind the scenes uh, in any town that you drive through. So, a lot of the a lot of the ways that we are doing business have to do with this kind of associative marketing. And once you like form a posse around a certain product, to share that posse with others. And I mean, eventually, the hope I think would be to formalize a lot of this. I mean, that's where I'm looking in the future is you know, this will all be available and it will be normal. And we can wear normal clothes and do normal things. Maybe you don't. Do you, do you aspire to normal normalcy? <laughs> I, you know, I'm not so sure I do. <laughs> I, would like, I would like to be out more out in the open with what I do and have more people get excited about it. But as far as normal, <laughs> that might be overrated. <laughs> I, yeah, well... Um. Yeah, it will. I think. I think we'll get there, though. I think we'll get there. The, the, the thing is, can we be normal but still extraordinary? There you go. <laughs> That's um, to strive for. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about the real thing, which is as a dairy girl. Um. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like Heidi inspiration, and there's you know women and and breasts and fertility and, you know, there's actually a, um, a lot of dairy dairy kink, you know, dairy-made kink stuff going on. I don't know if you've seen that whole, like, set of images. What's your experience so what? as a woman who has a commitment to these other ladies in the dating scene? Well, it's certainly been a challenge, Severin. I am um, not sure... <laughs> Not sure what to say, but uh, but it's been a challenge. I've, I'm definitely an independent woman, and I've been running my own business for almost four years. And um, it's uh, not a lot of guys uh, know what to make of me. I guess they uh, they find it very interesting what I do, but um, they don't seem to stick around. <laughs> Is that my? They, I think once they realize that my farm is my first priority, 
And, you know, no matter what else is going on in my life, if the cow is calving or she's sick or chores have to be done, you know, things have to, things have to happen. So that's a big, that's a big commitment for me. It's, you know, it's my passion, it's my love, but it is, uh, it's been a little bit of an obstacle towards relationships. So there you have it, USDA. If you're interested to get more farmers, you're going to have to work on the dating prospects. We'll, we'll get we'll get right on that. We'll go and bother Kathleen Merrigan and tell her we gotta we gotta have some funding for more parties. But now, if there are um, any women out there that are that are questioning whether to do it, I would say just just do it. Start your farm. Do what you love because that's the most important thing in life. And you know, I th- I'm still have faith that that someone's gonna come around who appreciates it and can put up with me and maybe even wants to farm with me and. So, you know, keep that hope, but mainly it's important just to do what you love. Ah. Well, now, we I skipped over this, and I shouldn't have done that, but how do you prepare for having having a situation like this and being running your own business and, and, doing your, and running your dream? Like, what kind of discipline were you showing early in your career, and, and what were the steps you took to prepare you for this? Well, I spent several years apprenticing on different farms, and I didn't find dairying right away. I worked on vegetable farms. I um, ran uh, a CSA. I did all that, and then I found cows, and I, I loved that a lot. So I, I kept pursuing that, and I, after my apprenticing time was done, I, I got a job working as a cheesemaker and milking cows at uh, Jasper Hill Dairy, and that was probably the best preparation I could have got for anything because they taught me so much there about cow care, about cheese making, about cheese aging, and marketing, and um, the whole process. So I, I spent a couple of years working there, and um, I would recommend that for anyone interested in getting into farming. You know, get as much experience in working under other people that, that know what they're doing, and you know, eventually there's still going to be a huge learning curve once you try doing it yourself, um, as I learned. But, but having some, prepara- some background was really helpful. And then, then finding all the people nearby who can provide support for you. I've, I've definitely connected with... There's no other dairy people in my area that milk cows, but there's lots of ranchers. And, you know, finding the people who know, who know things and want to help you out and share their knowledge with you the old-timers, the, the young-timers, anyone who who is at all interested in what you're doing, you know, and can help you keep them out, for sure, because that's, that's been the, the only way I've made it through these years by myself, you know, finding the help that I can, any help I can get. I mean, and that's the thing, it's the, the all the help you can get, and I feel like it's not only help, it's also just relationships. You know, I've just been talking with my friend Tess, and we were like, you know, she's wanting to make this map of, like, the psychogeography of of agriculture and all the many people that she spends time with and interacts with and, you know, nurtures and is nurtured by and sells to and buys from. And uh, it's very relationship-dense kind of of work. Definitely. Yeah, I'm thinking, I think you can get caught up in thinking that you're on your own sometimes, but really when, when you reach out and you, you look for those people to help, help you, I mean, in any way, even just the, 
the customers who stop by and tell me how much they loved my milk, that that's support there, too. You know, that keeps reminding me why I'm doing it. And, you know, the friends who helped build a, a feeder for my calves and the friends who can fix the plumbing when it's broken. And, you know, even people who don't know anything about calves have helped me. You know, make it through all the trials that you know that, that come come about on a regular basis. Yeah, you get stronger and stronger. The higher you the higher you jump, the higher you can jump. Up to a limit, up to a point. So, um, Amy, you want to point to some resources that young dairy aspiring dairy farmers should know about? I just found out about um, Horde Dairy. Do you get that newspaper? I don't. No. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's out of New Hampshire, I think. It's called Hordes Dairymen, H-O-A-R-D-S, Dairymen, and then obviously Graze, Stockman Grass Farmer. What else should we tell them about? Um, yeah, Graze Magazine is a great resource. I also um, get Acres Magazine, and that's, that goes beyond dairying, but there's often a lot of great articles on grass farming. I'd also check out the listserv called O Dairy. And that is a great resource for anyone. Um, you know, I've, I've often posted questions on there, and we'll get a million responses back from organic veterinarians to organic dairy farmers. And um, that listserv is a great, a great resource to post questions on and, and to learn more. Um, there's the NOFA website also has good articles for organic dairying. It's uh, or not, uh, it's called Northeast Organic Dairy Um, well, you haven't uh, talked about the Kivira Coalition yet. And there's Kivira, yes. <laughs> They've been a great source of inspiration for me, and their annual conference in every November is not to be missed. So there you have it, everyone. It's not so hard, after all, to live your dream in dairy, and you don't even have to move to the Alps if you won't want to. You could just move to a state like Colorado or Massachusetts or Connecticut or New Hampshire, where the state rules around raw milk are a little bit less crazy, and you, too, could live the dream. Uh, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you, Severin, and thanks to everyone who's listening. It's been a pleasure. Have a lovely... Ha- it's going... It's going to be okay, I think. I send you lots of love. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.